Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. I wanted to like, just fervently pray to Jesus every week, guys, every week uh, just coming up with, um, what, Lord, what do you want me to say? And every week God responds differently. But this week I was like, Lord, what do you want me to say? Uh, what do you want me to preach on specifically? And I, and I thought I had an idea, and uh, I just about ran with it. And I walked out of my office, and, I, and a couple of my staff were there. And I was like, what do y'all, I mean, do y'all feel like there's anything stirring in you that, that, that I should preach on this next week? And um, one of them was like, well, next week's Thanksgiving, right? Give thanks. And I'm like, you know, I could roll with that. Like, give thanks to Jesus for ripping us out of hell, right? Like, thank you, Lord, right? And I'm like, well, maybe that's a little too much. Or well, what about thank you for community, right? Like, thank you that, man, uh, just breaking down walls and, and allowing us to be in McCaslin Fieldhouse on, uh, in the middle of, of Oklahoma University. Like, I mean, just thank you. And like, there's a lot of these thank yous. I'm like, yes. But God said, no, I don't want you to talk about that. All right. I want you to, to tell them that, that they are thankful for something but if they knew just a little bit more, they would be exceedingly more thankful for what it is. I was like, okay, Lord, well, well, what do you think that is? He said, how many of them are thankful for heaven? Who's thankful for heaven? Anybody? Come on. Um, I think that a lot of us, we are thankful for heaven. We're thankful for heaven. Uh, it's great. It's, it's awesome. We know it's going to be um, great and exceed, like we can't even fathom it. But do we really like know like the finite details and maybe some of the bigger details that we might not know just yet? Like, do we know exactly what we're looking forward to? I was like, man, that might, that might hit. And so, I don't know. Do y'all want to learn about heaven tonight? Anybody? I mean, when's the last time you heard a sermon just about heaven? All right? Um, let's do it. Sound great? Let's pray it up first. Jesus, we thank you for you. I, I just pray that tonight is an amazing night that we get to learn about our, our forever home and how big of a deal that is, and biblically speaking, so many people said that heaven is what we are, are hoping for and looking forward to, uh, and Lord, I just hope that our hearts tonight, we, we have that focus that, that we are looking forward to heaven, and we are excited about heaven. Lord, be with this word. Let your words be my word. Be with these students' hearts. Let us Void out anything in this life except for what's happening in this room right now. Let's not think about worries or stresses. Let us just focus on your word. We ask this in your name. Amen. I can assume <clears throat> most of us don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about heaven. Um, a couple reasons. I think some of us, we don't think much of heaven because we don't think about heaven. We don't know much about heaven. I think some of us, we don't think about heaven. And if we can just be honest here, because the enormity of eternity, about eternity, 
and it just kept on going and kept on going and were never ending. And you're like, oh my goodness, there's no end. There's no end. Those are, anybody been there? All right. Just me? Okay. Well, it freaked me out. I don't know about y'all, but I was like eight years old trying to understand the depthness of eternity. And I'm like, I don't understand. And I, it tripped me out. I, I do believe that a lot of us, we don't think about heaven because we can't grasp some of the things, especially the biggest thing of eternity. My hope tonight is four things. Four things that I hope tonight. I first hope that this can open a door of hunger and curiosity. I'm hitting things from a thousand feet high tonight, all right? I'm not gonna be able to get into a whole lot of specifics. I'm gonna be brushing over some things. I hope that tonight it just sparks a curiosity and a hunger to learn more about our forever home. It's kind of a big deal, amen? Second thing is I hope that I can educate you on some aspects that I feel like you maybe not know much about or maybe just some topics that I feel like I should have known um, or learned about when I was in college. Third thing is I hope that this takes away the fear of eternity and it replaces it with excitement about eternity. Um, I think that the overall theme is that um, heaven is not only a destination, but it's a motivation. It's a motivation to live now. It's a motivation that we can live now and face now with a hope for tomorrow. Like the devil would love nothing more than to take your hope about tomorrow away from you. If he can make you fear, be uneducated, just be superstitious about our forever home, then he's won. But heaven shouldn't be a fearful thing. It should be an exciting thing. And the fourth thing is if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, I hope that you gain a relationship with Jesus. And if you do have a relationship with Jesus, I hope that it will strengthen your relationship with Jesus. So what are some aspects that I can't from a thousand feet high about heaven that will scratch your curiosity, that will educate you, that will rip fear away and replace it with excitement, and it will either start a relationship with Jesus or grow a relationship with Jesus. No pressure on me, right? No pressure at all. Anybody nervous? Yeah, me neither. Come on, let's talk about the Bible, all right? Let's do this. What do I want to know about heaven? I think if I were you, but I'm not, but if I were you, what I would like to know is what is heaven now and what will heaven be later? Now, for most of us in this room, I know that I did not know this at your, your age. You might be more spiritual than me. But when I was your age, I did not know that there are two forms of heaven. There's an intermediate heaven now, and that's the heaven that if we were to pass away right now, that is intermediate heaven. Everybody who has passed away from Adam and Eve till today, Everyone who has passed away, everyone who believed in the, in the Son of God saving their souls, they're in intermediate heaven right now. I also like to call intermediate heaven temporary heaven. It is, it is a heaven that when I read 2 Corinthians 5 eight, it says that when we are absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. Or I think about Jesus hanging on the cross and he looks over to the thief and he says, today you will walk with me in paradise. When I think about those two aspects, the place that Jesus is going to walk with him and, the, and to be absent with the body is to be present with Jesus, that place right now is intermediate heaven. 
Is intermediate heaven awesome? No question, it's heaven. Right? Like, like it's awesome because you're going to be present with Jesus. You don't have to live in sin anymore. Your shame is gone. Your guilt is gone. Your sins are gone. You're going to be with loved ones and with other Christians. There's no question, intermediate heaven is awesome, but that's not my focus today. So if you want to get educated, I beg you, go look at what, what, what cool things are, are, are about immediate, intermediate heaven and how awesome it is and how glorious it is. But for time's sake, I think what we really want to know about is our eternal heaven. Like, where is our final heaven? Where is it going to be? What does it look like? And that is the final heaven. Now, I will say this about, I'm going to give you one little spark note about intermediate heaven, just because God's telling me to say this. In intermediate heaven, um, we don't know exactly what form we're going to be taking. We don't know if it's a spiritual form or if we're going to be in body form. I don't think it matters because we're going to be with Jesus, amen? But one thing that I do know about intermediate heaven is that there will be a longing, not a sinful longing, but a longing for our final heaven. It's going to be a, 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 a longing because we will then in our final heaven get our glorified bodies. And we're, we're longing for that. We're excited about that. So my question is, is when does the switch happen? Like, when do we go from intermediate heaven to final heaven? And what does that look like? Well, just to be honest with you, to give you a little time chart, the final heaven comes after the second coming of Jesus. When Jesus comes back, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it literally could happen soon. Like, I know every pastor said that. But it literally, all right, literally could happen soon. Jesus comes back and he will rapture the church and, and, and the, the, those who believe in Jesus and we will go with Jesus. And then there will be hell on earth for a while. And hell on earth, and, 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 and fathers turning against sons, sons turning against fathers, it will be hell on earth for uh, seven years. And then Jesus and all of us will come back, and we will have a millennial reign on this earth. All right? Some of you are like, what the frick are you talking about? Right? Study your Bible. It's awesome. All right? He will reign for a thousand years on earth. And then guess what happens? Then comes the great war. And guys, I get chills. I'm, I got goosies, all right? Because that great war, listen, it says that we are going to be standing behind Jesus. And he's going to be on his white horse. And he's going to have, I think, like flames in his eyes. I mean, the dude's about to go like crazy on Satan, all right? And we're going to be cheering Jesus on about this great battle. I'm excited for that day. Is it going to be a great battle? No, it's not going to be a great battle because it's a battle. It's going to be a great battle because Jesus is going to whip him. All right? He's going to take Satan and all of his demons, and he's going to throw them in the depths of hell. What does it say in, in Revelation 20, verse 11? Oh, wait, first off, let me say something right quick. I, I skipped one thing. Guys, this is a lot of information, all right? So hang with me. So the great white battle is going to happen, and then something else happens next. 
what is next that happens is, and I believe is this is the transfer of, of us going from temporary heaven to final heaven. It's in Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15. Then I saw, this is after Satan got thrown into heaven. Sorry, no, he didn't. He got thrown out of there. <laughs> Jesus, forgive me. Words are hard, guys. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it, for his presence on earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. That's everything is vanished for just a second. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name, listen students, was not found written in the book of law, or life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Students, I, I, I really, uh, I'm not into scare tactics, but I, I, but, but I am, <laughs> all right? Um, if, if I were you, this verse needs to make sense to you, because I'm about to wipe away any um, excuse that you can make at this throne, all right? Because there is going to come a day where each of us, we are going to have to stand in front of Jesus. And we're going to have to claim with our life whether we took a free gift that he was willing to give us or not. And that free gift of life is simply this. That if you want to have a relationship with him, talk with him, make sure that your name is written in the book of life. He gave a free gift, and all it is is this. You have to believe that he came and died for your sins, and you confessed it. All right, that's two of the three. I'm going to make a, even a little bit more of a commitment because I'm seeing a generational change right now. But you got to live it for the third one. You can confess it. You can believe it. But you got to live it because words can only mean, mean so much but your life has to be transformed by the renewing of his word in your life, the renewing of your mind, the taking off of your old self and becoming like Jesus. If you want to be confident on that day and be excited about it rather than fearful about it, you have to make sure that you love Jesus and that you're walking with him and talking with him. It's a free gift. It's a, it's a blessing. It is awesome. It's amazing. How freeing would it be today if you made that decision? I want to make sure that I'm walking with Jesus. So the final judgment happens. But then verse 21, chapter 21, where's that at? There it is, 1 through 8, says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, being prepared as a bride adorned to her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne. I can't wait for this day. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and, every, and death shall be no more. 
Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he was seated on the throne, and he said, Behold, I am making all things new. And also he said, Write this down, for these are words that are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from them the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have the heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for those cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, for the murderer, the sexual or moral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and the liars, their portion will be the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So students, listen, this final judgment happens, and we're going to be standing before God, and and we are going to be judged for everything that we have done. But at that time, and after that happens, it says that the new heavens and the new earth will fall from the sky, and God says, this is my land. This is the new Jerusalem that we will live. And listen, I just want you to know, like, when I started really wrestling with understanding heaven, and it was, it was probably about four or five years ago when I really got interested in just heaven, I, I really had a problem with the, the new earth and the new heaven. And, and this was my problem, is I couldn't, I couldn't understand how God could just literally wipe away the earth that we live on now. And now some of y'all are like, well, what do you mean? Like, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine him just annihilating the earth that we are now, everything that we know, everything that he has built. And this is why. Because the more I thought about it, and the more that I studied, the more I just thought, man, if he wipes everything away, then it's going to give the devil just one step, just one thing that he took away from him. Because I started thinking about creation. He, in the first day, he created what? The heavens and the earth. And then in seven days, he created everything. He created man and he breathed life into him and, and animals and just everything about the earth. And what did he say on the seventh day? And it was good. And I started thinking, man, like, like how can something be good and then God just annihilate it and just make this new heaven and this new earth? Like it just, it, I just couldn't get right with it. And then I, start, I studied. Students, listen, we have to study. We have to be able to understand things. This is what I started studying, though. I started seeing 2 Peter 3.10, and it says this, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And the more that I studied, and the more I started seeing scriptures like this, and I beg you, study, dive in the Word. Nothing, nothing I, I think has been more satisfying to me in the last 10 years than when I have a, a, a question for God and I dive into His Word and He answers it for me. And as I studied, I started seeing something emerge, especially in Revelation. I beg you to find it as well. I started seeing that the earth won't be demolished, but it will be cleansed. And the things of earth that have been tainted and touched by the devil and that has turned bad, that will pass away. And that it will be cleansed by a holy fire that we will read in Revelation. And that we are left with what? 
what is holy and what is good. John Piper writes it this way, God doesn't create matter to throw it away. In Revelation and 2 Peter, it says the, the present earth and heavens will pass away. It doesn't mean that it will go out of existence, but it may mean that there is such a change in them that their present condition will pass away. We might say that a caterpillar passes away, but a butterfly then emerges. If I had no other verse except for Acts 3.21, I think I could understand it even a little better. Whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth to his holy prophets long ago. So I believe that the time of heaven and the new heaven and the new earth comes after the final judgment. But the location on the new heavens and the new earth, I think he will bring them down and the new heaven and the new earth will be on this earth, cleansed and washed by the fire and the cleansing blood of God and that this new heaven will be brought down right here on this planet. But what will it look like? Let's paint this picture for us in just a second. In Revelation 21, when you read, you will read that the angel of the Lord falls down and he takes measurement of what this holy city is going to be measured by. And it says this, it's 12,000 stadia high, 12,000 stadia wide, 12,000 stadia long. A stadia, they say, is the measurement of 1,400 miles so it's going to be 1,400 miles wide, long, high. It's a perfect cube. Now, if you want to know how big that is, it's a measurement of the biggest city that you could ever imagine. It would stretch from the tips of Canada all the way down to Mexico, from the Appalachian Mountains all the way to the border of California. Revelation 21:11, John says, this about the wall that is surrounding this new city. He said the wall was made of jasper and the city streets of pure gold. Everything looked like pure glass and the foundation of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. And I just started thinking about this. Like God takes the very jewels that we think are the epitome of cool. Like everybody's putting them on their teeth now. Like got chains for days. Like you're only cool if you got the spinner chain. Like, like, like we think that these are cool and these are awesome. God uses them as mortar for his, out, his outer walls. All right? Like where we, we use brick and mortar, like that's what we use for our outer walls. Jesus is using jewels. All right? And he makes the outer walls and the gates with the craziest jewels, with the finest gold. And he puts that on every outside of the wall. What do you think that the inside of the city looks like if the outside walls is pure and beautiful? Like, just let your imagination run with, if the walls are that perfect, how perfect will this inner city be? And how much more beautiful will it be than the outer city walls? Now, now I want to touch just on, on a couple things that I know will be in heaven. A couple of things that, that will be in heaven for sure. It talks about a couple things. The first thing it talks about is it talks about a river flowing through an enormous city. 
Think about that. The river starts at the footstep of God, and it flows through this city as a river of life. Now, I just think about a city here, all right? I think about billions of people here. Now, I know that the devil, when he wants to taint, taint your, your imagination and all the things that, that um, could be filled with fear, one thing that he likes to do, especially when I was younger, is he wants you to make you feel like you're going to be alone forever. I want you to know you're going to be with billions of people, loving people, crazy, awesome, God-fearing, God-loving people. And in the middle of that craziness and awesomeness and great things that are happening, there's going to be this awesome river of life. It's not only going, it's not going to be like the North Canadian up here, all right, that all these, all these chemical plants dump tons of chemicals in, and if you fish it, you might get a fish with three heads, all right? If you swim in it, you might choke on a diaper. Like, it's not going to be like the North Canadian, all right? It's going to be, it's going to be a place where you go and you find the presence of God, and it's going to be peaceful. It's going to be amazing. It's going to have little streams flowing off of it. It is going to be the most, like, best place that you can go in the middle of the city, doesn't only talk about a river, but it also talks about a majestic mountain. I think, you know, Mount Everest is, is the biggest mountain. I think it's awesome. It's great. I think I probably, sh I just remembered this, probably should have done more research on this, but I think it's Mars or Jupiter. There's a mountain there that's four times bigger than Everest, maybe three times bigger than Everest. And, and I just think about, like, just how awesome would it be? Like this, out, this awesome mountain is so majestic. I don't know if you've ever stood next to a mountain, but I can see the enormity of God when I look at a mountain and I'm like, man, how does anyone think that this, this just became out of nothing, out of this big bang theory? No, I don't believe that. Like I can tell like this is built by a God who loves us and cares for us and he is an awesome creator. In heaven, we're going to have a majestic mountain um, that everyone will be able to see and everybody will see the power of God. And lastly, the one thing, the other thing of many things that we talk about in the Bible about what's going to be in heaven, there will be a city, like I said. I think sometimes we, we, we forget the fact that there's going to be other people there, but I think in the city, it will be full of inhabitants, people that are doing life, people that are busy doing great things. I believe, truly believe, there will be stores and restaurants. I think people will be doing things. There will be people working. There will be people doing some amazing things in the city that God has made for us. I think heaven is going to be like earth in, in, in some ways. I think that you can... You can look at some of the things of earth and you can say, man, that's probably going to be in heaven just a billion times better. But beyond of some of the things that are in the city and what it's going to look like, I think some of y'all might wonder, well, what am I going to look like, right? Like, what are we going to look like? What are we going to sound like? What, what's going to happen with us? And I think we can, we can tackle that with, with what's going to happen in final heaven, we will have a resurrected, glorified body for all of eternity. 
Some argue what age that we will be when we get to heaven. Like, what age are we going to look like? Some of us think it's going to be mid-20s. A lot of people believe it's going to be the same age that Jesus resurrected from at 33 years old. Now listen, students, when when I look at my 33-year-old pictures, dad bod was really starting to set in. Hair was already gone, all right? And I'm like, dear Jesus, listen, listen, 33 all right, bro, like, I understand athlete underneath this body, all right, I understand that, but 33 was a rough year for me, okay? I do know this, for time's sake, is that we will be the perfect form of ourselves, and whatever age God chooses for us, it will be the best form of ourselves, and I think we will still be identifiable, I think we will still be able to recognize who is who. I think there will be some forms, but I do believe that God will enhance everything about us to every degree. And I think we will, um, uh, because the reason why I think that would be identifiable is because when Jesus came back from heaven, they were still able to identify Jesus. He, he still looked just a little different, but they were still able to understand that it was him. We will not have the curse of sin on us anymore. We will be ageless, no wrinkle, no blemish, no baldness, thank you Jesus, no disease, no mental handicaps, no speech impediments. We will be perfect versions of ourselves. We will be able to look at ourselves and we will be full of joy because we are God's creation and we were made in his image. Some of you hate the way that you look right now, the imperfections that you have, the skin flaws, the scars, the weight, the height. All of that will be shaped to be the perfect version of yourself and you will be able to look at yourself and you will be happy because when you look at yourself, you will see yourself as a creation of God that he chose. Now, I also think this is awesome because I can't wait to have conversations with my grandparents that, that I have lost or some of the friends that were older that I have lost who passed away from strokes or mental health problems. I can't wait to see my friends um, who have been in an accident and can no longer speak anymore, or some of my friends that I've made throughout the years who have Down syndrome, and I can just tell so much that they love Jesus, and I can't wait to be able to meet them at, at heaven's door and just be able to talk with them in a deep spiritual talk and grow with them and see how God has been able to use them through through what their whole life, through their disability, and be able to see how how much they love Jesus. I can't wait to play basketball and golf with loved ones who, were no, who weren't able to be mobile anymore. Now, for some of us in here, I beg you, go evangelize to LeBron James and Michael Jordan. Like, please, like, let's settle the dispute, all right? Let's just, like, in heaven, they will be the perfect version of themselves, and we're gonna have them play one-on-one. Like, I wanna know, like, who's, who's better, all right? Get them saved. That's the only reason why I want. I'm just joking. All right. Dear Jesus, please save them. All right. But that's who we will be physically. But that's not all that sin and shame has damaged us with. I believe that sin has damaged emotions and personalities. 
and I'm looking forward to conversations with no insecurities. Anybody with me? Like, like you don't want to have conversations anymore. Like, you're all up in your head, and you're insecure about everything. No more emotional baggage. For some of us, we're socially awkward. Anybody? Anybody socially awkward? Right? I'd like to call some of you out, but then you get even more awkward, right? Walk out, right? Like, some of us aren't awkward, but we're hurting. Like, how freeing is it going to be when you get to heaven and, and you're not going to be hurting and, and you're able to trust people again and love people in, in a greater way and you're able to remove all the knives out of your back and you'll be able to love people for who they are. It says that Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eye and every fear in our heart in this new heaven we're not going to be hurt. We're not going to be afraid of anything. We're going to be able to have conversations like we always wanted to have. We'll be able to be vulnerable and, and trusting and encouraging. And all the insecurities will be wiped away. People will like us and we will like people. People will want to serve us and we will want to serve other people. We will be the best versions of ourselves physically, best, phys best mental versions. We will be able to remember, retain, grow in knowledge. We will always have a hunger and thirst to grow in more knowledge and things and, and, and even our relationships with other people. And emotionally, we're going to be the best version of ourselves. But what's the one question I think that many of us want to know? Is will we get bored in heaven? And I think that's a great question. I think that's a question that um, haunted my past, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I did agree with one pastor who, I, who definitely shouldn't be a pastor, but this is what he said. <clears throat> he says, I can't stand the thought of going to heaven because of the endless tedium to float around in the clouds with nothing to do but strum a harp. It is all terribly boring. Heaven doesn't sound much better than hell. I would rather just cease to exist than live forever. And I think that if that is the way that we think about heaven and the tedium and, and the boringness, then we are very uneducated about heaven. If you are not excited about heaven, I think we are very uneducated about heaven. And this is what I've learned. I've learned from Scripture one thing that has helped me is even a simple verse that we've heard 30,000 times, Ephesians 2.10, it says that we are a workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we shall walk with him. In that verse alone, there is no ending to that. We are always working good works for him. The God who created us to do good works is not going to cancel this purpose when he resurrects us in an inhabitant in a new universe. The Bible's picture of resurrected people at work in vibrant societies on a resurrected earth couldn't be more compelling. We are going to help God in this realm. We are going to grow with God. We're going to have, we're going to have jobs. We're going to have, um, we're going to have great things that God is going to provide for us. We're going to build. We're going to create. We're going to design. I believe there's going to be technology there. I believe that we're going to do so many good things in our job. Like, like, 
do you ever feel like you're missing the mark on like what God has called you to do? And like you've always wanted to know exactly what God has called you to do and what job. And like, like you want to get in that zone. Anybody like getting your homework and you got in that zone, you felt the zone, like you felt the Adderall kick in. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you're zoned. That's horrible. All right, you're zoning in. Like, like imagine like walking in the perfect job excited about it. You woke up, you're excited about it, you're in the zone. Like, I believe that's how heaven's going to be. I believe that we're going to be doing the exact thing that God wants us to do, and we're going to be in that zoneness, if that's even a word. And like, we're going to be love being used and, and love being called and doing great things for God. And we're going to be able to do it. Man, just, man, praise be to Jesus doing things without stress and without fear and without the, the, the fear of failure. Like we're going to be able to do the things without fear and failure. And I, I believe some of our work on here will be continued. If you start something here, I believe that you can grow it once you get to heaven and, uh, and, and time won't restrain you and you'll be able to achieve things that you were starting here in heaven. And see, I believe that we will work and God will use our gifts and our abilities and our responsibilities to do what we love to do. But yes, responsibilities are good, but I'm also looking forward to something else. I'm not only looking forward to the jobs and, and working with other people and, and doing something continuously. I'm also looking for something very great, is reunions. I'm very excited um, to... Uh, meet family members and friends that I can sit down with. I'm excited to meet some of the, the giants of faith and talk to Paul about his, his road to Damascus and his encounter with Jesus. And I want to hear about like what he was feeling and what he was thinking with some of his uh, missions. And I want to hear about Peter's account of healing people and walking on water. And I want to hear about Moses' account of, of being able to lead God's people and literally walking with fear and trembling, but, but just I just want to hear it. I want to, I want to know things about them in the hardest times imaginable. I'm looking forward to talking with my friend who passed away suddenly in middle school. I'm also looking forward to some of my own personal heroes and my own faith that helped build me and develop me and, and pray for me and guide me in my own ministry. I'm looking forward to having cookouts and dinner parties. I'm looking forward to dancing and loving everyone and being loved by everyone and learning billions of people's names and stories about their life and what Jesus worked in their lives and through. I can promise you that heaven will be far less boring um, than you think and that we will be doing new things every single day. But you want to know what, most importantly, I'm excited about? Like, I, don't, I don't know where you are at, but what I'm most excited about, I'm excited to see Jesus. You know, I have talked with him since I was eight years old. And all the hard times that I've gone through, and I'm like, Jesus, I need you, and he showed up, like, and all the good times I went and celebrated and, and every time that I, my wife had a baby and I was like, thank you, Jesus, and thank you for this child and thank you for just blessing me. And like, 
and being able to walk in ministry and him leading us in, in things that were un, like not even thought about yet and God leading us and like, thank you Jesus for all that you have done and I can't wait till I can walk on heaven's doors and just give Jesus a hug and say thank you for all that you have done in my life and how much you have carried me through. Like I'm excited to meet Jesus. I can't wait to hear his voice audibly and set by that river of life with him until we're both just crying and laughing and, and we're just so excited to be with one another. He probably will point out some dumb thing I did in my life and we'll probably laugh about it, all right? Like, you're a real idiot back then, weren't you? Huh? Send a couple of extra angels that day. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. All right, let's move on. But I also can't wait till I am, I'm standing before him and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Like, I'm not fearful of that day. I'm, I'm excited for that day, that, that the days that I wanted to give up and Jesus says, man, keep on going, bro. I got it for you. Hey, I know you want to live in fear, but man, why don't you live in faith here? In those days, I wanted just to give up on, on many things in my life. He's like, man, keep it going. I cannot wait to meet Jesus. See, heaven would be boring without Jesus, but I promise you Jesus would not be boring without heaven. We need Jesus. We need to be so excited about going to heaven, not because of everything else. We need to be excited about going to heaven because we get to meet Jesus. A couple things that I want to leave you with today just to get the ball rolling on heaven. I know I, I've reached things from a thousand miles up and, and I hope that it, it intrigues you to learn more, but um, we need to think more about heaven and learn, learn more about heaven because it says that we are, that's where we're, we're called to live and that's going to be our forever home. Guys, we're only here but a vapor, right? We're only here for a, for a short time, like smoke. We're only here for a short time, but we're gonna live for eternity in heaven. Don't you wanna be like more educated on it and that you can be excited about it and you don't, you don't have to worry about what is to come. And I think sometimes we worry too much about the journey and we don't worry and we don't learn much about the destination. I don't know about y'all, but a long journey with bumps and hardships and hard times is sure made easier when your destination makes it worthwhile. When you know I can go through hell right now knowing I'm going to have heaven forever. Listen, heaven is not only a destination, but it's a motivation. I can, I can survive right now. I can go through this hard time because heaven is coming. The second thing that I would want y'all to walk away this is people who assume heaven is boring is because their spiritual lives are boring right now. And, and it's not God's fault, it's their fault. And God calls us to follow him. And I can tell you from experience, the more that I follow him and the adventures that he sets on me, he puts me on my family and I on roads that I couldn't imagine. His, his infinite creativity, goodness, beauty, and power, I'm telling you, has changed my mind. Randy Alcorn, his book on heaven, um, it'll transform your life. But he says this, if we're experiencing the invigorating stirrings of God's spirit, trusting him to fill our lives with divine appointments, experiencing the childlike delights 
of his gracious daily kindness, then we will know that God is exciting and his heaven is exhilarating. People who love God crave companionship. To be in his presence will be the very opposite of boring. So students, listen. Like, we need to spark our walks with Christ and learn how to take those next steps of faith and learn how to grow and be used by him now. And man, it'll, it'll make heaven even more exciting then. Students, I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you're at with your walk. I don't know where you're at with your talk. I hope that we are excited about heaven. Um, and my prayer is that we can talk about this very sermon a million years from now. Amen.